Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. And good morning, everybody. We are ready to go. Are you ready to go? We've been going for the last hour. Now is hour two. Morning drive. Goodman Hurdle. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle at Eric Goodman. Of course, you can watch on milehighsports.com. Lunchtime is coming up pretty quick, so what are you going to do? My suggestion is you go to Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Uh, if you take 70 up to 36, you get off at Pecos. You're right there. Best barbecue by far in town. Everybody has their own favorite barbecue spot. I'm telling you, I've tried a lot of them. There is no place that honestly compares to Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. They smoke their ribs. They smoke their meatloaf, corned beef, chicken wings, uh, brisket is so incredibly tender. Outstanding sides as well. They're baked beans, not even like beans, kind of like the texture of it. However, I like the flavor of it because it has drippings from pork and the brisket. Really good mac and cheese out of this world. They have great non-barbecue options as well. Go check them out. You can go in there for just dessert. The uh, owner, Dave, had a life before barbecue, so he's put a lot of those things on his menu as well. Has something for everybody. Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. You can find them basically uh, on your way up to Boulder off of Pecos. Time now for the lead. The lead is presented by Smoking Dave's Barbecue and Brew. Colorado's best barbecue since 2007. Get some tonight in Denver, Longmont, Lions, and Estes Park. Yardbarker.com predicting the Broncos will have the 11th best offense in the NFL and the 9th best defense. Yesterday, we talked about Adam Shine's ranking, I believe from CBS Sports. He has the Broncos 8. So consistently, in most rankings, they are top 10. How close do you think these predictions will be? And which one is most likely to happen? Fairly reasonable, right? I think so, too. I think fairly reasonable on both accounts. Um, You obviously have got to see more from the offense. That's a leap from where they've been really for the last six years now, six, seven years. Um, They have been a lower-tier offense. And uh, so they've got a lot to to prove and to, to prove consistently but I think that they can do that. They've been very good in practice the last two days. By the way, Russell Wilson kept the receivers about 40 minutes after practice yesterday. A decent practice, by the way. Yeah. A decent practice. And they worked without complaint on their red zone for about 35, 40 minutes. I right. mean, that is a significant giving of time after practice. I think they're offensively, they're going to be better. I think that they're going to be even good. And I think if they can run this outside zone, which we continue to talk about a lot with some degree of effectiveness, it's going to make Russell Wilson an even better quarterback and good things can happen. Defensively, I think that the mold is already cast. I think you can always use injuries as a reason why you don't reach whatever expectations you have set. I think it is especially true for this Broncos defense because I don't think they have a lot of depth on defensive line. I like the three guys that they have mm-hmm. a lot. Deshaun Williams, I like. I like his motor. I like his motivation because he's a guy who's always been overlooked. Kind of reminds me a little bit of a Shelby Harris type yeah. of guy. Yeah. DJ Jones, this guy looks like a baller, and I think Draymond Jones is a yeah. terrific Fantastic defensive end. As, as I said before, 
Uh, they're going to have to eventually spend money in the offseason. They're going to have to choose between Chubb and Draymond Jones, probably. I think the money should probably go to Draymond Jones if both guys have really good seasons. Chubb's going to cost too much. You have guys who can back him up. Well, you've got Baron Browning. You have Baron Browning, and you have Nick Benito as right. well. Right? Well, Nick Benito's got a lot of work to I, do, I don't, I'm right, with you. Right, but we're talking about year yeah, two. Right. Okay. Uh, I don't know who you have backing up, honestly, uh, Draymond Jones. So depth, it could be a problem. Well, depth could also be a problem at cornerback. So if they suffer just a couple of injuries, suddenly that firm house might start to crumble. Now, you look at the offense, you look at the offense, yes, injuries are going to kill you, certainly at the quarterback position. But I'm not going to take the easy layup on this one. This is all about this offensive line totally. understanding the zone blocking scheme because if we're being completely honest, and I say this with all due respect to a guy I knew pretty well for a long time, Ruben Drones, and then you have Orlandis Gary, you don't have to be a great running back to run behind great zone blocking. Terrell Davis took it to another level. So when some people say going into this upcoming season and they look at how the Broncos have run the ball, well, it's Mike Boone. You know, don't forget Javante Williams is going to be out there and Melvin Gordon's going to be out no, there. No, 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 no. If guys miss blocks, Bingo. these guys are not going to have good seasons. No question. Uh, it's it's a, outside of an uh, injury to Russell Wilson, then obviously injuries as well, but I already used that excuse on the defense. If these guys don't pick it up and are not in sync, everything falls apart. Yeah, well, Russell Wilson is obviously asset A, but after that, that offensive line. And by the way, when was the last time that we went through a season that five guys played full five a full season? Right. Uh, you're going to use your depth in the offensive line. That's why Nathaniel Hackett uh, hammers so much on versatility. Where can we move them? How many different positions can they play? For that very reason, you're trying to um, massage your depth with versatility, which is a great thing, and you hope that you can do it. Um, versatility on the offensive line is a thing now in the NFL. You got to keep those guys as healthy as possible, and then you got to try to develop depth. I'm not sure how much quality depth they have right. in the offensive line. It is a concern. I do think that they have five guys at the top of the leaderboard that can block the outside zone. I really do. I feel like they can do it. My God, Cushenberry moves, Reisner moves. I think that we agree with Miners moves. Miners moves. Bowles may be the best one in the group. The best fit. The best fit in the group. Right. And and Billy Turner has run it. He knows what he's doing. I'm I'm very hopeful that shows dividends early on. I am not an expert on the zone blocking right. scheme, and I'm certainly not an expert on blocking on the offensive line. However, with my limited knowledge, I will put it this way. When you're running a traditional running scheme, pass blocking scheme, generally speaking, I think you can cover for a guy who isn't playing that well. In a zone blocking scheme, if one guy is off, it's really hard to cover. It's really hard to cover for that guy because everybody needs to work in unison. Everybody has to have the same degree of patience out there. One guy climbs the ladder too quickly, meaning moving upfield. 
suddenly everything will fall apart. And while you might have a crease for your running back, you're also potentially giving a crease to a middle linebacker. Angles become very important in this blocking scheme it's with very, all five guys. And that's why Billy right. Turner is so is so important because while he is not a road grader, he is very, generally speaking, technically sound, knowing when to climb the ladder, knowing when to hold his block. So he's a guy, clearly, that they need back. But if you have a guy on that line who isn't adept and doesn't have the athleticism, things just kind of fall apart pretty quickly. And you're absolutely right. And by the way, I'm not either an offensive line understander. Right. I, I don't understand all of the intricacies uh, and the, uh, the the stuff that you've got to do to be good. But I talk to a lot of people, as you do, right. who do know right. how to do it. And that's the overriding theme with this type of offensive scheme and blocking scheme. They've got to do it well for this offense to be the type of offense it can be. And I think that this offense, getting back to the beginning of the segment where Yard Barker has it ranked as, as 11th, you know what? Would you take that right now? Would you take a top 11 offense right now? I think you would. I would. Well, considering what we've seen in the past. Oh, my God. Where it's easily bottom third. Yes. Yeah. Not uh, even a doubt. Coming up after the break, Todd Davis is going to join us on the show. Yeah, he played inside linebacker, but we want to talk to him about the zone blocking scheme. What has he seen so far in the preseason games? How difficult is it to learn? And when it, it not learn, it's not that hard to learn. How difficult is it to execute? And when it is executed correctly, how difficult is that on a defense? That's next. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, MileEyeSports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, Go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about my guy, Eric Cook, at Farmers Insurance. I've worked with Eric for five, six, seven years, something like that. Uh, he does my health insurance, my auto insurance, my home insurance, does it for my wife as well. He is really as good as it gets. The thing that I really like about Eric is he really treats every client like they're his only client. What do I mean by that? Uh, for starters, he checks in every year to make sure that you have what you need, that your policy, because sometimes your things are going to change. Let's say you build out your basement. You might not think to call your insurance guy or insurance gal and say, you know what? I did something to my house. It needs to be insured. He does the work for you. He puts it in autopilot. He's going to check in with you. Plus, he's very quick to return phone calls and emails. His staff, the Cook Insurance Agency, has been there for over 70 years, so they really know what they're doing. Give him a call today. Trust me on this. 303-790-8089. 303-790-8089. In the meantime, we have some breaking news. This coming out of the Hall of Fame, Don Coriel has been selected 
uh, by the latest committee, Coaches and Contributors Committee, to be the lone, it's only one anyway, representative for the Hall of Fame. You and I talked about it on the air yesterday. We both felt he would be the guy to right. get in. He had been banging on the door for the last five to six years. Playoff record, not good. Three and six. Overall record, not great either. However, you cannot write the story of the NFL without Don Coriel, who had guys under his wing like John Madden and Bill Walsh. And his innovation led to today's modern passing yeah, game. Yeah, he was the father of the modern-day passing game in the NFL. No question. Very well-deserved in a room that was full of very deserving candidates, I yeah. thought. I mean, if if Don Coriel never came around, Todd Davis might still be playing. <laughs> because uh, if it wasn't for Don Coriel, you probably wouldn't have to cover tight ends. It would just be about tackling. And Todd was a tackling Ooh. machine. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance. The Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. All right, let's go out to the hotline. I want to bring in Todd Davis, Super Bowl champ, joins us every Wednesday on the show. His segment is brought to you by the Davis Fund. How are you, Todd? doing great how are you good i know you played on the defensive side of the ball but you always studied the offense i know that you played more than a few times against a zone blocking scheme i understand we have only watched the backups in the games but what has been the problem with the technique for the guys that you have seen on why the running backs keep getting blown up i I really feel like um you know it's the physicality um you know i've been our problem you know really the first two games of the preseason, um, you know, they haven't had much work in it at practice. And I feel like it's showing a little bit um, in the games, but I've not really been able to fire off the ball. Uh, for the offensive line, being able to get some push and create gaps for, you know, the running backs, but also for the defensive line, being able to knock people back um, and get in the backfield and really, you know, stop up some of those running lanes. You brought up a really good point, physicality, but Nathaniel Hackett talked about it a couple of days ago. He said, one reason we have not been physical enough <laughs> with our zone blocking is, is because guys have been unsure. And I'm guessing you can relate to this. When you don't necessarily know what you're doing, it's hard to go full speed. And going full speed gives you the opportunity to be physical, right? For sure. That's that's definitely a fact. Um, you know, when you don't know your job, you're unsure, your feet aren't moving at the same speed that they need to be, uh, your eyes and hands aren't in the right place, and you're trying to figure it out as you go. Um, instead of being sure of your job, going in, making the big hit, making the correct block, and doing it with um, some pizzazz, you're kind of, you know, tiptoeing around, hoping you're doing the right job. Todd, you were a sideline to sideline guy, could cover the field. Um, what, what, how difficult is this offense when it is running well and you've got five guys uh, that can get off the ball, climb to the next level? They're blocking with their angles correctly, and they're doing it in unison. How difficult of an offense is this to play against? Is it one of the hardest ones to play against? Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, definitely tough to play against. And I think with the backs that we have, um, that's what makes it tough. When you have great backs that can really have great vision and really pick and choose each hole that they want, um, it's tough on defenders because you never know where that guy's going to go. I think it also sets up, you know, the play-action game, the boot game, uh, which is perfect for Russell Wilson 
Um, he's able to get out of the pocket. He can make some big throws, use his legs to extend drives. So that zone blocking scheme and then, you know, what Russ does in the passing game, they really go hand-to-hand. Um, so I'm excited to see when it all comes together um, how good they could be. All right, Todd. So you're going to have Turner, we think, you're going to have Turner, Miner, Cush, Reisner, Bowles. How well equipped, understanding the skill sets of a lot of these guys who you have played with, is this offensive line to run this system effectively? I think they're, you know, they are equipped. I think they've done what they needed to um, to even get better this year. Um, you know, I, I know that Dalton, you know, has lost some weight to be able to move yeah. and run and, uh, you know, make the blocks that he needs to. Uh, you know, I think Bowles is getting better each and every year. I think he's going to hold down. Kush is young in the middle, but he does a great job blocking. Um, so I think this group is athletic, which you need to be as a zone blocking offensive line. So I think they'll be able to hold it down um, and have a good year. We're talking with Todd Davis. He joins us every Wednesday on the show. His segment is brought to you by the Davis Fund. I like the front three for the Broncos and Deshaun Williams, DJ Jones, and um, Draymond Jones. I like at cornerback, Sertan, Darby, and Williams. But I'm very concerned about the depth at those positions. Is that a reason to be concerned even right now? Because you know you're not going to stay healthy throughout the entire season. I think I think there is little uh, reason to be concerned. Um, I think we saw in this last game, you know, those are you know some of the twos going up against the ones of the Buffalo Bills, um, and it didn't look too good. And we know how you know the football season is. Somebody's going to get injured. Somebody's going to have to you know be out for a couple plays, and you want to make sure that the person behind them can step in and do um, just as good of a, of a job. And I don't know if they have, you know, that depth um, to be able to come in and play at the same high level as, you know, the first group and, you know, Justin Simmons and um, Pat Sertan and, you know, all those all those great guys, uh, DJ Jones. I don't know if they have another wave of guys that can come in and really play at such a, you know, high level. And that's tough because you're talking about, you know, Pro Bowl players and all pro players, um, you know, it's rare that you have somebody else behind the all-pro or the starter or the one of the best in the league to come in and do just as good a job as him. Todd, they let Joe Schobert go yesterday after just eight days in camp. Jonas Griffith remains questionable, at least for the opening week of the season. Maybe they know something that we don't. So inside, you're talking about Josie Jewell, Justin Sternod, Alex Singleton, at this particular point. How concerned are you about depth inside starting this season off? You know, I'm just waiting for my call. I'm just waiting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Todd, Todd, don't, don't play that. You have actually gotten that call from George no, yeah, Payton, I'm, and you turned them down, right? Yeah, we definitely talked. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but this year, this is a great year for the Broncos, so you know what I'm saying? I'm open to it you know, discussing some things. But I definitely feel like they need a little bit more depth at inside linebacker. Um, you know, I think those are younger guys they have. I don't know uh, Alex Singletary has played um, and done well over at the Eagles. Um, but I'm unsure of them as a whole, you mm-hmm. know, new system, new coaches, uh, new decent coordinator um, being able to get the job done. So I'm interested to see how everything works out in this next preseason game. I think that will say a lot about 
um, how they're able to learn the defense and how they're coming along within it. By the way, if uh, George needs a recommendation from somebody about Todd Davis and what kind of shape you are in. Oh my God, he, he always looks like he can play. Well, ho- hold on. I, well, hold on. Hold on. He does look like he can play. I'm with you on that. But the first thing I would say to George if he said to me, hey, listen, uh, do you think we should bring Todd back? I think he's going to have that conversation with you, by the way. He, no, I, he will, actually. Yeah. Um, and he says, is Todd ready to go? Is he in shape? Very easily, I can say Todd is always the first one into the Pilates studio. Always. Hmm. I mean, I'm lifting weights. I, I look through the glass wall, and I always see you stretching out, ready to go. And you are limber. And I think George needs something like that inside on the defense. Todd, could you get could you get up the uh, stairs full speed out at Red Rocks right now? For sure. Ah, good effort, guys. I couldn't, man. I, I couldn't even walk up the stairs at Red Rocks. <laughs> I don't think there is any reasonable person that would disagree. This is Justin Simmons' defense. You were here when Justin Simmons was a rookie when he was drafted in the same class as Will Parks. I think, and this is just one guy's opinion, but you were in the locker room, so please tell me if I'm wrong. Justin had a tough time cracking into that no-fly zone, maybe because of his personality, maybe because they were a tight-knit group. It's as if, at least in the first year, he really didn't fit in right away. Was there a moment with Justin Simmons, on the field or off the field, where you looked at him and said, this guy is the future of the Broncos' defense? Definitely. Uh, I remember um, that first year, and I know that it was tough on him. You know, that no-fly zone group was very close-knit. Yep. So for them, they lost one of their brothers in T.J. Ward uh-huh. for yeah. Justin to come in and take his spot. So they were kind of, you know, unsure about what Justin could do, but they knew what T.J. was. That was a brother. That was their friend. And to them, they had lost him. So it took them a minute to, you know, become accustomed to Justin. Um, but the minute he got out there, um, he really made his presence felt. Um, this is eye for the ball. He's a ball hawk when he's out there. Um, he's gonna. He's not even gonna say too much to you. He's just gonna play with his with his uh, talk with his play. And that's one thing that really stood out to me about Justin is um, from the moment he stepped on the field, he made plays. And you can't deny the guy that he just continues to make plays, and that's who he is. I don't. I hate to use the word resentment because it's really, really strong. But you said it as well. That no-fly zone, they were like a band of brothers. Oh, yeah. And I remember very well those guys were livid when TJ got let go. He was he was part of that band of brothers. Was there any resentment possibly early on towards Justin to no fault of Justin at all that he was replacing TJ? And it's not that they didn't want him part of the group, but maybe they took it out on him a little bit because they lost their friend and teammates early on? No, I wouldn't say that there was. I know. I think guys understand the business, and they may be frustrated with coaching staffs or ownerships, but they never, like, take out on players. They have no control over the situation. Um, everybody's there to feed their family. So there was no, like, resentment to Justin himself. Just the overall situation and kind of, you know, losing one of your brothers that you felt like you had built something so strong and so uh, memorable with. Tell us about the Davis Fund. So Davis Fund is a real estate development firm. Uh, I started here in Colorado. Um, you know, we have some projects going on now. Um, we like to do profit and for nonprofit, you know, and try to give back to the community. Um, we're working on some affordable housing right now. 
Um, so we're just doing our part to really give back to our community and, uh, you know, make Denver the greatest city in the USA. When did you, you and your wife, think, you know what, this is something we want to do? Was it after you left football or was it well before you left football? I think it was definitely before um, I left football. I had always been passionate about real estate. Uh, my wife was a real estate agent even while I was playing um, and would sell, like, you know, Bradley Chubb, his house, or um, some other players. Um, helped them out. So, you know, we had things in the work even while I was here playing here in Denver. Todd, you just used a word that I just love and people need to hear more of because I think it's part and parcel of how you've got to live your life. Find some passion. What makes you passionate about this in very much the same way that you were passionate about the way that you went after your career and played the game of football? You know, I feel like it's tough to really put my finger on on that. I think everybody has uh, their passions, um, you know, their goals and their ambitions. Um, you know, just for me, I think it just happens to be real estate. I can look at real estate and tour homes all day and all night and never get bored of it. Um, you know, somebody else may, you know, have a different passion, but I just, you know, I love being able to, you know, take something down to the bare bones or build something from the ground up or really put my stamp on it. So I think that's what drives uh, you know, my passion for real estate. How do people uh, learn more about the Davis Fund? You can contact us. Uh, you can get, shoot me an email at uh, todddavis at thedavisfund.com. Uh, we constantly have new projects going. Uh, we would love to work with some people um, in the community who want to make a difference in that community. Um, so, yeah, shoot me an email. Uh, get in contact with us. Todd, have a great day. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, Todd. All right. Thank you. Take care. See you, pal. All right, uh, coming up after the break, we've talked a lot about NIL in college football. <laughs> What's it going to do to college sports? Is it going to destroy destroy college sports? Well, I got news for you. It's more than just college sports. This has trickled now down to the high school level. Really? That's not Really? Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. Welcome back. Morning Drive, Goodman Hurdle. Watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Bruce Hurdle, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is brought to you by Pinnacle Builders, the best in home remodeling. Go to pinnacleden.com. Okay, the St. John Bosco football players in California, they are part of a group that is routinely considered one of the top high school teams in the country. Those players have struck a deal, not the school, the players. Well, I'm guessing the sports performance company reached out to them. They didn't reach out to the sports performance company. There's going to be an NIL deal. It's going to pay compensation to anyone who wants to participate in this. This is how it works. Um, players who choose to participate will be paid for posting personal experiences on social media. Uh, the company says the student-athletes will also be listed as influencers on the company's website. The deal is believed to be 400 bucks 
for each player who participates, starting with a $200 payment. Uh, and again, this is through the players. It is not through the school or the football program. Any player can participate if they choose to. Has this gotten a little ridiculous, or do you have a problem with this at all? Oh, well, I mean, look, I think anybody in the in the world that we live in should be able to capitalize financially or otherwise from their name, image, or likeness. Has it gotten a little bit out of control? Does it need to be regulated a little bit? Look, I'm not for overwhelming government. I'm not. I'm pretty libertarian in those in that regard, but there has to be there has to be checks and balances on this thing. The NCAA did an incredible disservice at the college level not getting out in front of this. And now we've got a lot of pieces to pick up to get this figured out. Will it trickle down to high school at some point? You're darn right it'll trickle down to high school at some point. It already is, but we've got to regulate it. So look, if you can pick up a couple hundred bucks, my problem is probably more with social media than it is NIL. And I think it's smart for this company. The right. most the most notable player from that school, Josh Rosen, quarterback. And they currently have a guy who plays for Ohio State, another guy who plays for Clemson. It's a factory. That's right. John Bosco's big time. Right. So with that, I don't have a problem with it at all. Now, uh, to, to a broader discussion, a broader discussion, you think NIL is going to ruin college sports? I think it is going to continue to separate much more significantly the haves and the have-nots. Is it going to ruin college sports? Maybe as we have come to understand them and the model for college sports, which I think is probably needs to be changed a little bit anyway, maybe not to this extreme, but yeah, it's going to change it. Whether it ruins or not, get back to me in 10 years. Well, here, no one should complain, specifically coaches. No. About NIL after the news that came out yesterday in which Nick Saban just signed an extension that's going to pay him an average of $11.7 million a year. I was watching Real Sports yesterday. I don't know if you watched that show with Brian Gumbel. Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, he was asked by Brian Gumbel, do you think there will come a day where the Big Ten starts paying its football players? The answer is yes. And he said yes, and I am open to it. Right now, Kevin Warren, who's routinely criticized when he took over, because let's face it, he took over right before COVID, he was bashed, guy being over his head, so on and so forth, had a lot of NFL experience. Now he's probably one of the most powerful guys in college sport after negotiating that huge television deal that includes Fox, CBS, and NBC. Will it be the haves and the have-nots when it comes to talent? Yeah, you can make that case, but NIL would never have been an issue had college football schools decided to have paid their players. The players just wanted something. I know people argue it's an education. I get it, okay? I totally get it. However, um, over the course of four years, and for the amount that they work, what is it, a, a salary of 
roughly sixty, seventy thousand right. dollars a year. Sure, and they're working a ton of hours. But look at the look at what they're bringing in. The way I look at it is this: the top sales guy at a company should his commission be capped? The answer is no. no. And that's essentially what you're doing with these players. You are capping their performance at 60000 when the value that they bring in is a lot more. I am very capitalistic when it comes to this sense, and these kids should make as much money as possible. And if, if it turns into the haves and have-nots, this is what has been created by the NCAA, and college football, and oh, by the way, there was a story out a couple of days ago that the powers that be in college football are looking to break away from the NCAA. Which they will eventually do. Right. But look, anybody that complains about athletes at the college level being paid for their services or name, image, and likeness, it's the American way. Yeah. It's how in the world has it taken this long to get here, for goodness sakes, when a free enterprise market dictates that you should be paid for what someone will pay you for. And oh, by the way, as President Joe Biden gets ready to consider freezing uh, student loans, mm -hmm. all right, um, the problem isn't student loans. The problem is the price to go to Education. a university. Okay? Oh, my gosh. I mean, ta I, one of the greatest things that are marked up are like cosmetics, right? Women's clothing, tremendously marked up. Men's clothing. I'm concerned that you know so much about that. Well, I, some, on, on, right. on Tuesday nights, on Tuesday nights, I like to get in touch with my feminine side. <laughs> uh, I saw Joe Namath many, many years ago. Where yes pantyhose and i'm thinking what's wrong with wearing yeah. that over my face and walking into a store Ooh! but anyway i digress certainly did yeah um college is way too expensive yes so when you say they're getting a sixty thousand dollar scholarship how much is that really worth mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the market at ohio state i think they can find an extra seat in the room don't you think, I think and don't you think the books are marked yeah. up just a little bit i understand they get free food and and, and all of that stuff yeah. however this has been created by companies schools making millions now billions of dollars and there's an old saying why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? Well, guess what? NIL has just put its foot down and said the milk isn't free anymore. Quick programming note. Every Wednesday, I'm going to be leaving before the final segment. I got to pick up. I got to pick up. I need to drop off my daughter at school. This will be a regular Wednesday occurrence. With that, I know Bruce and Alex and Zach can handle this without me. As a matter of fact, the ratings will probably shoot up in the final 10 minutes of the show. So I'm going to get out of here just in case you missed it is next. And what do we have coming up? Angels owner Artie Moreno made a rather large announcement yesterday, and Kevin Durant has agreed to move forward with his current team. That's next on Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle on Mile High Sports. Sometimes I 
Sometimes I dream some more. I keep my wounds without a band. Morning Drive with Goodman and Hurdle, presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Bruce. The ultimate question that anyone who does a show for two hours a day, Monday through Friday, at the end of the show should be, have we left the airwaves better than we found it? Now, we can't always say that we have, but I think today we feel pretty good about it. Having said that, the final word, Alex, may very well tip the scales. Since you are a part of it, Let's get to it and find out with the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Just in case you missed it, Bruce, Los Angeles Angels owner Artie Moreno says he's exploring selling the team. He's known as MLB's most hands-on owner, and even with enormous revenues, the Angels still have never had a payroll over $183 million. What would the fallout be from Moreno selling the Angels? Well, here's the deal. Artie Moreno has had them for, what, 20 years? And in that stretch, they've done absolutely nothing. Nada. It is the most underproducing franchise, maybe, in all of Major League Baseball. Riddle me this, Alex. How can you have Shoei Itani and Mike Trout and still not be bet? They're not even a 500 club. They're not sniffing a playoff. They're not then, even competitive. Not even competitive. Then, on top of it, they've taken one of the great players in the history of the game, and yes, Rod Carew is one of the greats in the history of the game. The guy only slashed for his career 328, 393, and 429 with 1,015 RBI, 353 stolen bases, won an MVP, was Rookie of the Year. He won't go near the place. In fact, said yesterday, this is the best news that he's ever heard because he wants to be rejoined with the Angels family. Are you kidding me? Get this guy out of here, Artie Marino, by the way, and let's see if we can make the Angels relative again. I agree. I think we've been robbed of seeing Mike Trout in the playoffs all these years. It's a, Just, it, it is the worst thing about the game of baseball that I can think of right now, other than the length of games sometimes. But not seeing Mike Trout at his absolute physical peak playing postseason baseball is tragic. Just in case you missed it, right after our show ended yesterday, Kevin Durant reached an agreement to stay with the Brooklyn Nets, effectively ending his trade request. Your thoughts on the Durant saga this summer? At first, requesting a trade from Brooklyn and then deciding to (laughs) run it back with the Nets. So Kyrie and KD kind of sip from the same cup, right? They go out and they demand to be traded. You know, they put the line in the sand. Not going to move one way or the other over it. And then the most of most of both of them end up with hat in hand coming back to the franchise. You know who loses in all of this the most? Steve Nash. 
How is Steve Nash going to negotiate this when you've got Kevin Durant, who obviously is not in your corner, when you got Kyrie Irving, who is, well, Kyrie Irving anyway? My God, what a mess the Brooklyn Nets are. Jay-Z, where are you when we need you? Get in here and get this thing taken care of. What a nightmare. But you know what? Hey, for many Nuggets fans, at least he's not coming to Denver, right? Very true. Very true. I wanted to get this one in before uh, we get out of here. Just in case you missed it, the Texas Rangers are in town for a two-game set against the Rockies, which means John Gray is back in Denver. Some saw him as a solid starting pitcher, and others viewed him as someone who couldn't really deliver in big games. If Gray was scheduled to start in this series, should the Rockies have given him a video tribute or honor him in some sort of way? No, I don't think that he probably rose to that kind of level. Although, I'm going to tell you this. John Gray was too good a pitcher to lose him for nothing, which is, of course, pretty much what the Rockies ended up doing. Um, Don't get me started on the Rockies. I liked John Gray a lot. He never quite found his, he never quite rose his game to the level that his talent dictated that he should. Maybe he will find that in Texas. I hope that he does because I like John Gray a great deal. But video, no, I don't think that we're quite to that level. By the way, good to see CJ Crone come up big last night with a with a key shot. Uh, as the Rockies get a win, although does it really matter? <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I mean, they they face the Rangers' best pitcher today, and then they have a daunting road trip coming up, four against the Mets, and then they go to Atlanta right after that. So it felt like last night, if they weren't going to win last night, they're going to be in for a long road. The By the way, did you two. sneak in the uh, the Rockies because Eric's gone and he's got a moratorium on the on the Rockies? Uh, that may or may not have been true. Well, that well done, Alex. I appreciate it. All right, there you go. The final word, and that was brought to you by Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it. Argonaut, great specials. I can attest to this, and here are a few. All 750 milliliter French wines, 15% off. 15% off. Argonaut delivers in more ways than one, and all deliveries over 100 bucks are free. Stop by Argonaut today off of Colfax to see why Westworld named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running or, or, or order online at, Org- at ArgonautLiquor.com. All right, did we do good today? Fantastic. All right, good. Well, we'll try to do better tomorrow, as Alex, as uh, Eric likes to say. Alex, uh, Zach, appreciate you guys making me look that much better, certainly that much smarter. We appreciate it. For Eric, who's uh, hustling to get his daughter to school, I'm Bruce Ortle. Have a good one, everybody, and we will talk to you on the morrow. Later. But why does